Hello there and welcome to Fabulous Folklore, the podcast for all things folklore, occult and just a bit weird. I'm your host Icy Cedric, blogger, fantasy author and your guide into these rather mysterious realms. I've got some rare things to show you, so come on in, take a look around, but be careful not to touch anything. These things sometimes bite. Hello and welcome back to Fabulous Folklore with me, your host, Icy Sedgwick. We're going to be continuing the urban folklore theme that we've been following for September. And this week we're going to have a look at time slips. Now, I will say in advance, we are going to be looking at a particularly famous time slip incident, which actually occurred in the gardens of the Palace of Versailles, which is pretty much as far from urban as you can get. But because they dovetail with urban legends and ghost stories, and there are quite a lot of urban examples, particularly a bit more recently, that's why I thought we'd have a look at time slips. Plus, they're just cool. And quite frankly, if something's not cool, then I'm not really keen to cover it. But anyway, so time slips, what are they? The general idea is you're walking along a street or something, and then all of a sudden everything around you looks like it's from a different period or something like that. They also have, as I say, they do have a lot in common with ghost stories and urban legends. But this is where we're going to start off with the first time slip, and that's the Versailles time slip, also known as the Mobley-Jordan incident. So we're going to start there. So let's journey back to the 10th of August 1901, and Charlotte Mobley and Eleanor Jordan visited the Palace of Versailles and its gardens. Mobley was president of Oxford St Hugh's College, and Jordan was her assistant. Now, according to the story, the palace didn't impress either of them. And I'm going to be completely blunt here. It didn't massively impress me either. It actually looked a little bit shabby. And the palace of Herrenkiemse, built by Ludwig II in Bavaria as a copy, is an awful lot nicer. But I digress. The women decided they were going to go and see the two Trianor palaces in the gardens. And these are much, much smaller and in some cases actually slightly nicer. But the stretch of gardens between the main gardens and the smaller palaces is a bit of a jumble. And I would imagine that the signage was probably less helpful in 1901 as well. And the Grand Trianon was closed for the day, so the two women decided to visit the Petit Trianon instead. Now this one was actually Marie Antoinette's private palace, and I genuinely think it's the nicest of the three. While searching for it, they passed a small cottage and a farmhouse, and it's this point that it all starts to get a bit weird. And according to the book that they wrote in 1911, the women saw a range of men in different period costumes in the gardens. A man in a sombrero showed them the way to the palace and Mobley spotted an elegant woman sketching the petty trainer. Jodine didn't see her, but Mobley claims she later recognised the woman when she saw a particular portrait of Marie Antoinette. You would imagine that she would also have had an idea what Marie Antoinette looked like beforehand, but I digress. The women actually revisited Versailles many times over the years, but a lot of the things that they could remember seeing in the gardens had actually disappeared. And obviously even worse, instead of the quiet gardens and weird atmosphere, they kept having to contend with tourists on each visit. And over the years, many people have tried to discredit their story, particularly due to their claim of having seen Marie Antoinette. And Mobley continued to have paranormal experiences throughout her life, whereas Jordan died in mysterious circumstances in 1924. But what I want you to bear in mind is that these were professional academic women and Jordan was even a vicar's daughter. 
and the Society for Psychical Research reviewed their book, An Adventure, published in 1911, and Eleanor Mildred Sidgwick thought they'd simply misinterpreted ordinary events. So obviously it's the idea that they're just wandering around in this garden, see things that are slightly unusual, and attest- assign something strange to them. In Michael Coleman's The Ghosts of Trianor from 1988, he analysed different editions of their book, and he noticed that the later editions contained descriptions that basically got more and more fantastical after they'd conducted research into the palace in the time period, which obviously doesn't exactly make it look particularly authentic. And Philippe Julien explained that the French poet Robert de Montesquieu held elaborate parties at Versailles and his guests often wore period costume. And Julianne thought that Mobley and Jourdain had just basically encountered one such party. So they had met Marie Antoinette that day, just not the Marie Antoinette. And obviously other people think they've just been hallucinating or just misremembered things. Now I visited Versailles in July 2014 and it was 32 degrees in the shade. And I can well believe that too much sun would make you see really odd things. And if you then add the charged atmosphere of a French palace into the mix, and you probably would see all sorts of stuff. I mean, I saw a fella wearing what looked like tinfoil outside, and I really, really hope he was just a living statue and not my imagination, because that would be a really weird thing to hallucinate. But anyway, in 1903, someone actually found an old map of the train on garden. So this is two years after this is supposed to have happened. And it actually showed a bridge that the two women had talked about. And this bridge didn't actually exist in 1901. And it wasn't featured on any other map that they could have seen. So how would they know that a bridge was there? Unless they'd actually seen one. So let's say something strange did happen on that August afternoon in 1901. Did the women see ghosts from a bygone age? Or did they experience a time slip and briefly visit an earlier time? Ghosts and time slips basically differ in one fundamental way. In ghost stories, it's the spirits that cut across time, and they basically appear in all periods following their death, so you could consider them the supreme time travellers. But basically, it's the dead appear in front of the living. With time slips, the living are the ones who basically slip into another period, and no one knows if those affected actually travel to another time, or is there just a hiccup in the space-time continuum and we just briefly glimpse earlier versions of the space that we're already in. Because this is the thing with time slips. People don't go somewhere different. They literally just see the place where they already are at this moment in time as it was. It's always as it was. It's very rarely as it's going to be, which is an interesting thing. But anyway, time travel as an actual concept wasn't completely unheard of in 1901. I just want to point this out. Because in A Christmas Carol from 1843, Scrooge basically goes forwards and backwards in time. And you had H.G. Wells' Time Machine in 1895, and that was where people were then using machines to travel through time. Obviously, there's no way of knowing if either of the women were fans of either of the authors, but they could have potentially been subconsciously influenced by these really quite popular tales. But this is where we're going to deviate more into the urban folklore, but I just wanted to bring that one up because it is probably the most famous of the time slip tales but other incidents have also given people pause and during the LA premiere of Charlie Chaplin's film The Circus in in 1928 there's a woman who's kind of like walking past all the razzmatazz and she appears to be speaking into a mobile phone. Now some experts have gone no no it's fine it's actually an early hearing aid but no one has actually definitively disproven the urban legend so some people think that perhaps while they were taking pictures this woman from another period 
walks through on her phone and she's been picked up in 1928, which, you know, you do sort of think, does that mean that time does actually all happen at the same time? So the past, present and future, you know, unfold at the same time, because otherwise this is basically a modern person being captured in, in a photo from the past. And there's also the time travelling hipster and a photo from 1941. And there's a picture of this on my blog, which is www.icysedgwick.com forward slash time hyphen slips. And he's wearing what looks like present day clothing. And he's got like what looks like a jumper on with like a motif on the front and quite modern looking sunglasses. Although this appearance has since been debunked because the T-shirt that he's got on that looks like quite a modern T-shirt is actually a sports sweater. And the design of his sunglasses actually match some of the designs that you could actually get in the 1920s. Which is sad, because I quite like the idea of a time-travelling hipster. There's also a story from 1979, and two married couples drove through France. And rather than driving through the night, they decided they were going to stop at this old-fashioned inn that they came across. Now, according to the couples, it didn't have telephones, lifts, or even glazed windows. But it was quite quaint, it was quiet, and they enjoyed it there. And the husbands apparently took photos of their wives standing outside. Fortnight later, they're heading back and they think, oh yeah, we'll stay at that inn on the way back rather than driving through the night again. But they couldn't find the inn again. And mysteriously, the photos that they'd taken in the hotel were actually missing from the roll of negatives. I must admit, the story doesn't actually be explicit about whether the photos are just missing completely or whether there were gaps on the film. It's not really sure, but it does seem a little bit bizarre. And we've also got, and this is what basically brings us up to the urban folklore, three examples of time slips in the UK. So in 1957, there were three naval cadets on a map reading exercise in Suffolk, and they appeared to stumble across a deserted medieval village. And there's actually a really good article on the Smithsonian's website about this. And again, you can find the link through my blog post. There's a story from 1973, where a guy bought 36 envelopes for a shilling from a shop in Great Yarmouth. And the weird thing was the assistant was dressed in Edwardian clothing. He went back in again three weeks later and a completely different woman worked there and the whole shop was a much more modern affair. Obviously, he was like, oh, what's going on here? And he asked about it. And it turned out that the manufacturers had actually stopped making the envelopes that he'd bought 15 years earlier. And also, I should point out by this point, if he was buying envelopes for a shilling, I mean, I'm pretty sure in 1973 we'd already had decimalisation by that point, but I could be wrong. And there's also a clutch of tales about a potential time slip in Liverpool's Bold Street. Now, according to Nell Rose, a former police officer in 1996 had a bit of a strange experience in the thoroughfare. And he was going into Waterstones Bookshop and he found himself in a street surrounded by people dressed in 1950s fashions. And the cars were all from the 1950s and 1960s. And when he got to the bookshop, there was actually a clothes shop standing there. So he's like, what on earth's going on? And he actually bumped into another woman in modern clothing who seemed equally confused. And when he actually went into the store, it then became Waterstones again. And he then sort of seemed to come back to the, the present. And Nell's also got uh, two other tales about Board Street in her article, which again, you can you can find if you, you go to my website. But the thing is... Most of the examples have either been debunked or could have plausible explanations. The Waterstones one, less so, because bear in mind, this was a former police officer who sort obviously used to dealing with facts and observations and so on. Doesn't seem like the kind of guy who'd be prone to flights of fancy. And it's a weird story to suddenly make up as well. This is the thing. A lot of, a lot of these time slip stories, you would really gain nothing by making them up. 
So you do have to wonder if they are actually true. But they also do prove a fascination with something called retrocognition, which is quite a rare ability to know things about the past that couldn't otherwise be known. And that's the opposite of precognition, where you see the future before it happens. This is retrocognition, where you know about the past, despite never having been there. And I think this is the thing that, that makes time slips so interesting, because they become a part of folklore that does deal with the urban environment and I guess when you consider how quickly cities change and you can walk down a street one week and then walk down two weeks later and a new shop's opened obviously the change in fashions I think nowadays actually doesn't seem so much of an issue but if you sort of consider you know you walk down a street that you know very well and maybe you've gone away for a couple of weeks and you come back and things are different you know, you, you, you would have that kind of jolt because all of a sudden things aren't familiar and they're not the way that you remember them being. It's particularly strange, for example, in Newcastle where I live because as I'm walking around, I can be like, oh, I remember when that used to be so-and-such or I remember when that entire extension of that shopping centre actually looked like something else. And you get this weird sense as you're walking around that you can you can see what's there now, but you've also got the memory of what it was like laid over the top. So whether that's part of the the case or not, I don't know. I mean, with the guy in Liverpool, I mean, he doesn't... I don't think he would have been old enough to have remembered what the street looked like in the 50s, so it's a bit less likely that that's what it was. And the cadets who found the medieval village, I mean, they quite clearly wouldn't have remembered the medieval period. But as I say, these time slips do often have a sort of an air of familiarity about them that the street doesn't look the way you, you remember it to look at or that it should look but there's enough familiar things about it that you can recognise the time period that it's apparently from. And I do want to finish off this episode with a personal story of time slips. And way back in the very late 90s, I went to Derbyshire on holiday with my family. And we stayed in a little cottage called Diamond Cottage near the village of Waterfall. And one day I was sitting writing at the table in the entrance hall, as I often do. I mean, as you can imagine, I'm a writer, so any chance to sit in scribble away and I'll absolutely take it but me mum walked through the entrance hall on her way to the kitchen and just looked at us just to see what I was doing and what she saw made her pause and as she tells it I was still sitting writing that's fine and at the time I had like waist length straight dark hair and it was still dark but it had become like short ringlets a bit like Lizzie Bennett in Pride and Prejudice and all of a sudden, the Independence Day t-shirt that I was wearing was now a black dress with a big, wide, white collar. And a few minutes later, I went back to normal, or what passes for normal where I'm concerned. But what's really weird is that she continued talking to me throughout. So it's like, I look different, but we're still me, if that makes sense. And me mum is absolutely not prone to flights of fancy at all. It's And it would be such a really weird thing to suddenly experience. Like, there'd be literally no reason why she would suddenly look at me and see me with a different hairstyle and different clothes. So did she experience a time slip to an earlier version of the cottage? I mean, the cottage dated back to, I think it was the 17th century, so it was entirely possible. Or then it's even weirder, she might have found a time slip that actually showed an earlier version of me. Oh my God, imagine more than one version of me. And that could also explain reincarnation, because people who are involved cross the space that they've occupied before and then their past memory briefly intrudes upon current time. Who knows? And this is the thing, I want to know if you've ever experienced such a time slip because if I collect enough of them I'm absolutely going to do another blog post about this because I find them so interesting because they're usually so mundane 
It's like, oh, I went into a shop and I bought something, but then I went back and the shop wasn't there anymore and nobody remembered it. Things like that. It's just, it's weird enough that you're like, what on earth is happening? But it's not really outlandish. Obviously, you know, saying you've seen Marie Antoinette sitting drawn, I mean, that's quite outlandish. But a lot of the more modern stories are just so like, yeah, I was in a street and a shop had changed and people were wearing different clothes or people didn't know what my phone was and things like that. That That's kind of the, the bit that I'm interested in where it's just so normal where you've gone, but it's just so unfamiliar for you. So if you ever have experienced a time slip or something like it, you can either head to the blog post and the link is in the show notes and leave me a comment. You can email me at icacedwick.com and if you want, if you're quite happy with for me to share that on my blog then I will and obviously I'll link to any websites or whatever that you've got um, or you can also tweet me just at AC Sedgwick and let me know as well because as I say it's just time slips are fascinating that's that for this week I've waffled on about that longer than I expected but you know it's just because time slips are so cool so you've heard various versions of time slips and what I want you to take away from it is this idea of could retrocognition actually be an actual thing where you just somehow know something about the past that you've really got no business knowing and that you couldn't have just picked up through subconscious means? That's what I want you to have a think about. As I say, next week we're going to have our final urban folklore post of September. And then obviously, because it's nearly October, we're going to be going in all things Halloween, spooky and just generally bizarre for next month. If you've got any requests, please do feel free to let me know. And I'll see if I can accommodate them. Last, last thing I promise is also I've updated the Patreon bonuses as well. So if you'd like to support the show and get exclusive content that's not available anywhere else, then obviously have a look and see what I'm offering. And again, the link is below. So other than that, have an absolutely fabulous week ahead and I will see you next week. Cheerio. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. If you did, feel free to subscribe using whichever podcast app it is that you prefer. If you do use iTunes, if you could leave me a review, that would be fab. Basically, it just means iTunes are more likely to recommend this to other people. And if you're interested in more folklore, please feel free to swing by my blog, which is www.icsedgwick.com. And that's Sedgwick spelled S-E-D-G-W-I-C-K. And you can find all of the links, images, and other bits and pieces that hopefully you enjoy. So have an absolutely fab week ahead and I'll see you soon. Cheerio!